Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is still to come. Amen. Our text for our sermon is the gospel history according to St. John as recorded in chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on this side of the truth listens to me. This is the gospel of our Lord. It is the last Sunday of the church year, right before we begin the Advent season, so why are we studying a a text that takes place on the morning of Good Friday, the morning of Jesus' crucifixion? It's because on the last Sunday we focus on the fact that Christ is King of King and Lord of Lords, and in this conversation with Pilate, in a few hours he'll be crucified, or an hour later, and in this conversation it's made very clear to us that Jesus Christ is King. And so our sermon theme is Christ is our King, but we see he's a different kind of King, he's a di- with a different kind of kingdom, with a different kind of army, and a different kind of banner. Jesus Christ is King. Now, the Sanhedrin had tried to figure out a way to uh, kill Jesus. They knew if they just publicly went out and stoned him like they used to do, the Romans would intervene because they were the government and you didn't kill without their permission. They needed the Romans to be involved in this. Which, By the way, God had prophesied both Jews and Gentiles would bloody their hands with the very one who would die to wash them clean of their sins. So they come up with three charges. He's trying to rise a rebellion, he opposes paying taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be a king. Now, Pilate already recognizes this is something is not right, but he also recognizes that of the three charges, if the one sticks, then the others will take care of themselves. So he focuses on the one after listening to the crowd. He comes back into the praetorium and he summons Jesus and says the great question. You, he says, you. Are you the king of the Jews? Brothers and sisters in Christ, here is our problem. You see, the Jewish people were expecting a different kind of king. God, trying to make what is hard to understand, we'll say abstract, concrete, able to understand, had used Jesus' ancestor David as a picture of the coming king. But God clearly did not mean that Jesus would be a political king. Menti is king of all creation. Jesus is, in fact, a king. He rules over his church, which is his kingdom. We'll get into that into a minute. And he uses his word to enter our hearts so that he can be king of our hearts. And we see his gospel working so beautifully, although sadly it will be rejected. Jesus answered, Do you say this question from yourself or have others spoken to you about me? Jesus is actually inviting Pilate here. 
See, Jesus is true God, and in during his earthly life, he hid his godhood. But you get glimpses of it coming through. For example, when he calls Nathan to be a disciple, he tells Nathan what he was doing and thinking when Jesus was at such a distance it could only happen if he could read minds. Or think of the Samaritan woman who he sits next to with the well and says, Hey, would you mind pouring me a drink of water? And in the long run, the conversation that pursues, he says, go and tell your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus, in an invitation, then gives her the stinging rebuke of the law and tells her something nobody else could know who didn't know her already. He says, you're right in saying you have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're shacking with now is not your husband. She gets it. He's just read my mind. So Jesus knows that the crowd has told Pilate about Jesus, and he knows they've told him that he's at least claiming to be the king of the Jews. When he asks that question, is this from yourself or as others spoke to you about me, what he's saying is, are you asking out of personal interest or sheerly to deal with the crowd? And there is the invitation, the invitation for Pilate to personally know him as the king of his heart as the king of his savior. You see, the devil, the devil lies. We studied that shortly in Bible study this morning as we look briefly at some passages of Revelation. We see that as God uh, works through his word and has given his word power, the devil works through lies. Before Christ will be crucified, the devil is running amok, and we know at the end of times he'll be allowed to run amok one more time. And so we, before the Holy Spirit enters our heart and makes Christ the king, we live in darkness. We live in a lie. And we think it's the truth. Jesus' kingly glory is not shining before Pilate. The devil is hiding it from his eyes. And yet here Jesus pierces through the heart and offers him to know the truth. Pilate misses it. Pilate simply says, am I a Jew? This is your religious stuff. You know, the sad thing is, as I said, the Jews had missed what kind of king he was going to be. The disciples themselves... John and James, the sons of thunder, wanting Jesus to come down with power, wham, and lightning, wanting themselves to be able to wield it. Others, like when we see when he fed the 5,000, they want him to be a bread king. Lord, give us lots of food. Give us a utopian society so that we don't have to deal with it. Lord, put a whooping on the Romans and chase them away. They miss the king. The king who has purchased and won us by his blood so that he rules in our hearts for all eternity. Pilate says, the nation and the governing priests that belong to you handed you over to me. What did you do? This is a Jewish matter. I don't want to deal with this. Oh, how we dismiss it ourselves. It literally takes a miracle of the Holy Spirit entering our hearts. Because we'll say, oh, how can he be king? We're evolved monkeys. Oh, how can he be king? I just don't want to deal with this. Oh, we know friends who were raised knowing the Lord, but they just don't want him to be king in their hearts. They just want to live this life and embrace its lies. Jesus admits that he is a king. Pilate says there in verse 37, this being so, are you not the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, you yourself say that I am a king. And for this reason I was born, and for this reason I've come into the world. Jesus is king who has come to purchase and win you and I by ruling in our hearts with his Holy Spirit using his word. He's a different kind of king. He's not the bread king. 
He's not the king, as we're going to discover here in a minute, who's coming to set up a political kingdom. The utopian society does not happen on this earth. It happens when he returns and remakes heavens and earth, removes all sin, and gets rid of all those who refuse to let him be king in their hearts. And so, uh, in verse 36, Jesus answers, and we want to pay attention to the Greek prepositions, my own kingdom is independent of, not sourced in this world. Then he says, if my own kingdom were dependent or sourced in this world, then my own attendants would be fervently engaged in hand-to-hand combat. But listen to those words. My own kingdom, it's independent of, it is not sourced in this world. This destroys all utopian society ideas. This destroys the Jewish ideas of Christ coming and establishing a political kingdom that would make David's great kingdom pale, look like a shadow in comparison. Today, Christians have embraced those Jewish misunderstandings where God had used the kingdom of David to make concrete what is hard for us to understand, the idea of heaven. And they get this idea out of misinterpretation that Christ is going to come back and set up a thousand-year kingdom here on earth that will be this utopian society. He has a different kind of kingdom. His kingdom is not of this world. You've already heard me tell you what his kingdom is because you're a member in it. His kingdom is your heart. It's his rule in your heart so that you know him as king of kings and lord of lords. You know that your sins were paid for in full by him. His kingdom is his invisible church. Everyone who trusts in him is a member of the invisible church because by the Holy Spirit he rules in their heart. Christ is a different king. And he has a different kingdom. But that kingdom, while it's invisible now, when he returns as king of kings, it will be visible and it will be glorious, just as his kingship will no longer be hidden, it too will be glorious. But he has a different army as well. And that is something we want to understand. Jesus answered in verse 36, My own kingdom is independent of this world. If my own kingdom were dependent of this world, then my own attendants would be fervently engaged in hand-to-hand combat so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But now my own kingdom is not from this place. The Greek word used for combat here is one of a very fervent combat. Who are Jesus' attendants? It's the angels, brothers and sisters in Christ. And angels are powerful. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Two angels visit the town. The men come out and say, hey, let let your guests out so that we can rape them. It did not go well for Sodom and Gomorrah. When angels appear to people, usually the first word out of their mouth is, don't be afraid. Because when you stand in front of a holy being, we are not holy. Our holiness is alien. It's Christ, our king's holiness, credited to us. When you stand before a holy being, that is scary enough, let alone a powerful spiritual being. Do not be afraid, because usually the first thing the people want to do is tremble and fear and relieve their bowels. These are the ones that Jesus has as an army. And they could have prevented it. Our king voluntarily goes to the cross and holds off his army. His army is a different army, brothers and sisters in Christ. It has power that makes a nuclear bomb look like nothing. And the amazing thing is he sends those angels to watch over you. As king, he rules over all time and creation to make sure that nothing happens to you that he cannot use for your good to keep you in his kingdom. And he uses the angels to do that. Now, the church has gotten confused through the centuries with this. We talk about ourselves as Christian soldiers. 
but the church gets confused and they will send out soldiers, literal soldiers, to, to kill people for not being Christian. That is not the kind of army that our Savior has. In fact, the way you function in his army is not the way the angels function in his army. You function as priests. We heard that in our epistle lesson in Revelation chapter 1. You go to your works and the Holy Spirit ruling in your heart shines through at your job. People notice something different about you. You raise up your families knowing the Lord. You, as the opportunity is presented, tell your neighbor and your spouses and your children your sins are forgiven. And you are mightily swinging the sword of the word. Yes, you're part of his army as, a, as spiritual priests. You don't fight the way the angels do. You fight by sharing the word of God. You fight where God has planted you in this world simply by letting his Holy Spirit shine through you. God's built that into you. So we see Christ is our king, a different king with a different kingdom and a different army. And now we arrive at the last portion of our sermon. The star-spangled banner. I love the American flag. It reminds me of freedom. It reminds me of people I've served as a pastor who fought in wars. My own family that fought to preserve freedom. To preserve the freedom of speech. It's always kind of disgusted me when I've seen people burn the American flag. To me, it's spitting on soldiers, but that's a political thing aside. What I want to say is, when we look at the American flag, it means something. Now, our Lord has a banner, too. Verse 37, Therefore Pilate said to him, This being so, are you not the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, You yourself say that I am a king. For this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world. And here's the reason so that I can testify to the truth. Everyone who is from the truth hears my voice. What is God's truth? Here is our banners, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the word of our Lord. Look at the cross above our altar. It is not the cross that Jesus died upon, but that cross reminds us. We are subject to the devil. We can only sin but the truth is, our Savior is the only one who could earn it for us, and he did. He's off of that. It's empty. That's our receipt that it's paid for in full. Him on the cross reminds us we cannot pay for our own sins. This world is full of lies. The devil will tell any lie and promote any lie and use any lie that will sidetrack you from the fact that your king has freely purchased and won you and made you a member of his kingdom so that you can function in his army, so that you can shine with his eternal glory. The truth. The truth is we are sinners. And it hurts to hear it. It cuts us to the core. But it doesn't end there. The truth is, our king of all creation took on our human flesh to purchase and win us. We have a different banner. It's a cross. And it reminds us of the truth. And the truth is, our king has purchased and won us and made us members of his kingdom. And so we see Christ is our king. A different kind of king with a different kind of kingdom with a different army and a different banner. And all that he's used to make you his own. Amen. For our sermon benediction, we will use the last stanza of hymn 79, How Lovely Shines the Morning Star, which says, Now Christ will be with you all the way, today, tomorrow, every day, till traveling days are ended. Sing out, ring out, triumph glorious, O victorious chosen nation, praise the God of your salvation. Amen.